Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 226. Um, I'm recording this one wild, out out on the streets. I'm in a, a retail centre just outside Dartford. Uh, today's guest is uh, guests about B- Bart Layton and Barry Keoghan. It's a great chat. It's the first time I've done one like this. I literally, I had both of them, but over a split time. So I just started w- w- with Bart and knew that that would end when Barry walks in. And we did that and it was great. Bart is the director of a new film called American Animals, which I, I loved. I should mention the reason I'm out out and about is because um, I'm having my windscreen fixed. I did, uh, I did some wild swimming a couple of weeks ago in North Wales and uh, uh, the Yorkshire Dales. And um, I had no trouble there in the lanes. But then as I was driving back on the motorway, a, a stone chipped up and smashed my windscreen. So I'm having that replaced. I had, had 90, 90 minutes to kill while they fixed that. So I've been strolling about this retail park. Um, I spent about 45 minutes in pets at home. Um, I don't have a pet, but you know like how single guys will go to a club or whatever to meet girls or a pub hangabout to meet ladies. I do that at pet stores to meet dogs. Um, just I spent f- 45 minutes just walking up and down the aisle as if I'm looking for something. Um, and then looked surprised as I would bump into dogs and play with them. So, uh, yeah, I did that. Um, big love for everyone who enjoyed last week's b- b- bonus episode with Spike Lee. Um, the legend that is Spike Lee. I really enjoyed having that chat. I mentioned on that podcast, but I need to, to mention it again. Go and ch- ch- check out the episode he did directly after me with um, with Blind Boy of Rubber Bandits. So on Blind Boy's podcast, it's one of the best bits of podcast I've ever heard. I loved speaking to Spike, but I heard that one and they just connected in the first five minutes. It was amazing to... Uh, to hear and see and it's similar to what happened in this one with Bart I really I hit it off with Bart I was a fan of his his previous d- documentary The Imposter which is amazing I recommend you check it out oh hello mate <laughs> it's a guy for did oh lovely oh nice one mate thank you man it's a guy who saw me live at Coco years ago uh, D Flu which is a plumbing and drainage company d-e-f-l-u-o was his van um yeah i hit it off with bart his film the imposter is absolutely amazing and american animals is his first feature film uh it's based on a true story but it's it's done as a drama um it's fantastic and barry also was was lovely to talk to i'd got the impression i mentioned it in the podcast i've got the impression that he was kind of a not nerdy, but kind of a quiet and reserved lad. And that's just because of his great acting. To meet him, he's a proper Irish lad. Uh, a, a, a geezer, a scally, he's a good boy. Um, in fact, I'd love to hear him on, on Blind Boys podcast as well, because they're both just proper good good Irish lads. Anyway, we're brought to you as ever by com. We just had a rebuild of the web store there, so go and have a look at that. I've just uh, done some signed photos, which... Me and Tom Cole's previous guest. Um, Tom has shot me for years, and we decided to recreate some photos from 10 years ago. 
that we shot, uh, photo shoots that we shot 10 years ago. So we've done them, s- signed them, and put them in the web store. So check that out. But yeah, on with the podcast. I think you'll enjoy it. And I think you'll also enjoy American Animals. It was, it was hilarious because I got hit up a little while after recording this by Acast, who look after all my sponsorship and hosting and that. And I said, oh, would you be okay to have sponsorship from a new film called American Animals uh, we can send you to a screening and then if you like it you can have them sponsor and I was delighted to respond well number one I've seen it and l- love it number two I've just recorded a podcast with the director and lead actor so that's I mean they're getting good value f- for their sponsorship really by chance um, so yeah anyway this is episode 226 I'll be back at the end to tell you about upcoming weeks I've got Kate Tempest coming back on next week um i've got drew pierce a load of good stuff to come but for now this is episode 226 of the distraction pieces podcast with bart layton and barry keoghan Joined today by Bart Layton. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. Nice to be here. Um, how's the kind of the press run junket mayhem type? Uh, it's settling down. It's been um, so the the movie came out in the states a, a few weeks ago, and so yeah. um, that was. I mean, it's, I'd not done that thing before where you basically get holed up in a like a fancy hotel and then yeah. people come in and you do the same interview over and over again every sort of and some people it's depending brutal, on right? it's brutal and so depending on like how fancy they are they either get four minutes eight minutes yeah. 12 or 16 minutes and yeah. i don't know why it's multiples of four but that, I love that's it. how they do it right it's, yeah. it's weird because i didn't do any press junkets f- f- for ages on this this side of it like when i was touring doing music we did all that but on this side i didn't because my thing is always a longer interview and then Which when i much started, more enjoyable that was yeah. exactly it. i started i got on a couple and the feedback from the guest was always that was my favorite of the day and i don't think it's because i'm wonderful i think it's because you're so used to you've got your four minutes or your eight minutes to do the same bits totally of but it also it makes it like a really artificial interaction like it's like it's much what was that that great phrase you know i wrote you a long letter because i didn't have time to write you a short one yeah you know yeah, 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 that, yeah. you know to do something in that kind of condensed way it's really you feel under pressure and you're yeah. like, oh, am I giving you the thing that you want? Or, you know, whereas to just sit and have a chat is way more fun. It's far more relaxing. So how's yeah. it been? Because this is, first of all, I should mention, I love the film. I thought great, it was great. Man. There's a lot I want to talk to you about in it. Yeah. But um, I really enjoyed The Imposter as well. I watched that Good. as, like, when it came out and it was me and a girlfriend at the time had gone away for a weekend and I'd bought the DVD. I'd seen it in, in the shop. I thought, I haven't seen this. And it was just before, because I think it had a rebirth on Netflix or somewhere on digital. It kind of, it got its, its, its second win. But doing documentaries, which you've done to great success and great esteem, you often don't do the same kind of press junkets and press runs. Because it is, it's a, a different world. It's coming together more through Netflix and all that. But yeah. it's a slightly different world. So how's that transition been on this side of it? I mean... You know, with the imposter, you know, the the idea, I guess, with that was that it was going to be marketed more like a, 
a kind of thriller, you know, like with the yeah. trailer and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, it looked, it didn't look like a doc, and there were a lot of people who went into that movie in the cinemas thinking it was a thriller, not a doc. And I think, fortunately, most people weren't disappointed; no, still 100%. delivered on it. But it was, you know, so we did do a bit of that. But then, you know, when you when you do a, like a movie, movie, and you've got you know actors and all of that kind of stuff, it is a whole other level. And I guess it's you know you can't complain because the, you know when you think about how many movies get made and then how many movies actually see the light of day the fact that you're yeah. having to sit and do the same interview over and over it is a is kind of a nice problem to have it's so, pretty cool so yeah. i'm not complaining about it but you know like i don't know how many you know there was maybe 200 movies at sundance this year yeah of those I think, you know, it's in the, you know, it's maybe a dozen that are getting released and distributed. And, you know, and you think, what about all of those thousands of movies that got made and submitted? You know, so, so, um, yeah, it's, you know, I'm just very grateful and glad to be able to, you know, actually get the movie in front of audience. Completely. It's, it's, it's a weird time for cinema, isn't it? Because there is exactly that. There is less and less films not getting made. Originally, I was, I was arguing, I was getting annoyed that all we're making is blockbusters. And, and then I realised that this, this year alone, British cinema has released some astounding films with The Journeyman and Funny Cow and so many good stuff, but yeah. they're not getting big releases and they're not getting b- bums in seats because of our need for spectacle and blockbusters. So. I think that's it. And also just like the reality of like marketing if it, like to have yeah. and you will know this from music you know like how do you get the awareness out there you know particularly in America you know we've got London and Birmingham Manchester yeah. and those major cities but they've got you know you think about how many massive cities you know yeah. how much it costs to get your trailers on TV to get the posters up to get and you kind of realise wow you know that's why the only movies that do that are the ones that yeah. have got you know and they're spending more, as much on the marketing as they are on the movie, you know, yeah. the hundreds of yeah, millions. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it is that bit of it. I think, you know, you have to rely, you know, movies like ours, I guess, you rely on word of mouth to a certain extent. Completely. And that, I think, has been, you know, the word on, of mouth on this has been better than I could ever have hoped. So yeah. it's sort of spreading from there, you know. It's, it, it makes it exciting as well because you know that's genuine hype. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than... That the, it's real the, people the going wheels. in and... Yeah. and, and but I, I think you're right, you know, Netflix is doing a, you know, when, when you go to Sundance or whatever, you know, you, you as a filmmaker don't have full power over who buys your movie to yeah. distribute. And, you know, if I'm honest, I didn't want it to end up on Netflix. You know, you shoot a movie for the cinema yeah. and you don't want to find out that you inadvertently made a TV show because yeah. you, you, you shoot differently, you use lenses differently, you use close-ups differently yeah. and, and people watch... In the cinema, there's that amazing thing of like being in a dark room with all these other people, and you're having yeah. that communal experience. And with with TV, so so I, I. But then at the end of the day, if someone like Netflix comes in and offers a shitload more money than anyone else, yeah. the people who have paid for the film, you can't say, "Oh, can you not take that deal?" Because I'd really rather it was in. The can cinema, you take you know, less money because I want it to be in my exactly? Local you know, and that's tough that's tough, right? Yeah, and I, I do, I think, I, I, was, I was discussing this recently and I feel the pressure should be on the British public, the American public, to seek out the good films and to chase the good films because it feels like that's putting unfair pressure, but it's a pressure that, 
that pays off for everyone. If you if you seek out these films and travel to the smallest cinemas or whatever, then you get that much enjoyment. It becomes a special thing. It's not just I flick through Netflix. Oh, oh what's on? It, yeah. You're more invested. Therefore, you're more on the edge of your seat. You're Completely. more open to taking in the losing yourself in the totally. Film. And I don't think people. I think people forget the 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 experience of watching the same film in the theatre versus on uh, TV is so different. Like, for example, you know, like a, even you know, I got recently got a projector and a screen uh, in my house, which is not as crazily as expensive a thing to do as you might expect. I'm, I'm literally looking into it. Yeah, present. and I really, <laughs> I honestly, I massively recommend because there is also something about the physical size of the image. Yeah. Because it's closer to real life and, you know, yeah. and you watch it, your emotional engagement changes slightly. Yeah. It is literally bigger. And, yeah. But I also think that thing of like being in a darkened room where you have to have your phone off and you have to... Exactly. That is a whole other... And, and the fact that other people next to you are biting their nails and yeah. get... You, you know, that is contagious. And, yeah. you know, we watched... We were opening night at... Uh, South by Southwest Film Festival. And, wow. You know, there's 2,000 people in the cinema yeah, and, they, and you could have heard a pin drop. And it was, that is unlike any other yeah. thing that you can kind of replicate. So, it's, yeah. it's a genuine the, the difference. I used to have a film night at the Prince Charles Cinema and oh, right. the basis was films I'd fallen in love with on DVD and I'd never seen on the big screen because they really And genuinely, I was shocked at how different it was to watch them and these are films normally I've watched multiple times but not on the them there. what kind of what like what were so the... I started with Time Crimes which I absolutely adore I think it's Spanish film Nacho Vigaldo um, but then it was I had Irreversible but also I Days and Confused and yeah. Gross Point Blank um, yeah. Dancer in the Dark and just a real variation of stuff so not all kind of Cool in the art house I had Leon on, and Leon is was one of my favourite films. Do you all know time. what? I don't think I've ever I've seen, seen that in, in the cinema. cinema yeah. And it was a different experience. It was amazing. So, so uh, what what was it that drew you to making this a movie movie? Because it is again, it's a true story. So, yeah. And you've previously done documentaries on yeah, true stories. Yeah. So I loved it. It felt like a perfect f- first step into movie movies for yeah. you because it is a mix of documentary and movie in a way. So, how was that? And what made you find this story and go, this isn't a documentary, this is a, a movie movie? Uh, I think it was probably that, you know, when I read about it, I thought, well, it's just an amazing kind of heist movie because yeah. it's so unexpected. You know, every bit of it is like, for example, you know, like the target of the robbery yeah. are rare books worth millions of dollars. Yeah. They then happen to be in a university library with a special collections room and within that room is this vault kind of thing and in the vault is you know literally the most valuable books on the planet so that I'd not heard before then when I read that the people who the criminals you know the people who perpetrated the actual robbery were university students kind of middle class good homes good educations that didn't kind of add up. So I was like, well, what, what? Yeah, I just was intrigued. It, none of it seemed, you know, it kind of felt like the plot to a, almost a bad movie. Or, 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 yeah. or that's what blew me away about it yeah. was, for some reason, as improbable as it all sounded, it, it all added up to me. Because yeah. it was just watching thinking, 
I've sat, me and my mates have genuinely sat down and said, we're reasonably intelligent. Yeah, we can do that. Idiots get away with yeah. r- r- robbing banks. I mean, we have no reason to. It's not like we're rich, but we're not on the breadline, so it's okay. But we've genuinely had those conversations, totally. and it felt like that. And I going, think it was... Well, we could do that. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right, because I think what happened was they started out on a kind of, like it was a fantasy, like as in kind of like what you're describing, yeah. sitting down and going, could we plan the perfect robbery? Yeah. And the more they planned it, the more they kind of felt like they were living in a kind of movie fantasy. Yeah. And the more they planned it, the more they realised, you know what, we could probably get away with this. Yeah. And then it becomes this sort of like existential question of, you know, do you just call time on it and go, right, okay, enough's enough. We've yeah. had fun, but let's call it off because like, we're not really going to do that because yeah. it would be, you know, for so many reasons, it would be deeply misguided. But Or then the other, you know, it's like a kind of fork in the road and the other fork, the only thing that is guaranteed is that you do this and nothing will ever be the same again. Yeah. And that is the gamble that they end up kind of taking yeah, and I for think better or for worse. For better or for no, worse, no, and, no, and in a way, you know, one of them wrote to me from prison, and he, in his letter, he said, "You know, for us, he said, I don't think I ever thought we would go through with it, but for me, it was like he said, it was like our version of Fight Club. It was like yeah. a secret that only the four of us shared. It set us apart from everyone else. It made us. It gave us this kind of. It bonded us as a group of friends, and yeah. I think they kind of just didn't want to let go of that." fantasy and so for me you know your question you know why tell it as a movie movie rather than a doc or whatever was that you know i felt like it could deliver on all the things that you want from a heist movie yeah we all love a heist yeah movie, of right? course and structurally you know the thing that a heist movie gives you you know the, the tropes of it give you this constant you know you're building to a payoff so yeah. as an audience you're going oh what's going to happen next where's this going to go yeah so structurally, it works really well. But then with this, I thought, well, if we can bring the real guys into the, the movie in, in a way that you haven't ever really seen before, it, it will give us as an audience an emotional connection where, like, you know what? You watch Ocean's Eleven, right? You're not yeah. in it. You're yeah. actually just wa- you're watching it. You're having a good time, but you're yeah. not participating, right? Yeah. I was thinking with this you get to play along in a way that I don't think you get to in many other films. You know, you actually get to feel what this might feel like to go through with something which you're not kind of qualified for. You know, if you're not a born criminal, which, you know, most of us aren't, how would that feel to cross a line that should never be crossed? And so there's this deliberate, I guess, there's a deliberate intention for the audience to kind of become complicit yeah. In, in the caper and then when they do cross the line you're suddenly thrown into a, a different kind of movie in a way yeah completely and again I, I love that juxtaposition of having the real the real people in it so it does and that's something that completely standard in a documentary not in a movie at all even yeah. based on, on real life you might have them at the end a little fun exactly Here's and I kind of I'm sort of sick of that but this was constant uh, throughout and again it was completely that I was sitting there because I hadn't I don't like to know too much before I go into a film because again I like to just take it on what it is and not have any spoilers so I was was watching thinking well is that really the real is it 
is it fiction and yeah. this is just a really creative thing or is that really the real people and it wasn't until I looked it all up afterwards I was like oh no it is it is yeah. the real people and all that so yeah it's fascinating um, you, you touch upon st- structure how much pressure does take the, 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 the telling a true story take off on the structures and things like that because in general yeah. feel, people might pick apart oh that it should be it should be more up here or it should go yeah. down here or whatever but you can kind of you're tied to what actually happened or that's that's not no, realistic it's it's like, that's really, how it happened yeah. that's the pacing no it's a really good question and I, I'm, I'm you'll be pleased to know one that I, I haven't been asked yeah. yet you know <laughs> um, you know the reality is that most true stories do not conform neatly to the kind of Hollywood screenplay exactly. you know so and there were a lot of things you know when I was showing the script and talking to uh, friends of mine who are like what I would consider to be, be proper screenwriters you know I'd, I'd not written a script before yeah. so I was kind of like um, you know I'm an imposter in this whole thing <laughs> but um, you know I would show them it and they would make suggestions like well you should instead of four characters why don't you just make it three or simplify things massively and I'm like well hang on a minute the whole point of this is it's a true story yeah. about young people almost trying to be in a movie and if we start messing with the truth it will cease to have this this kind of this soul to it which is really all about you being constantly reminded whilst watching the film that this is real yeah. what happens is, is going to be real what, how this ends is going to have massive consequences for these real people and yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I couldn't really take those liberties with it. I mean, obviously, you know, when you're writing dialogue, you know, you're making that up, but it's based on the conversations with the real people. It's based on what they've said. Um, it definitely makes things difficult in terms of, like, delivering, like, a Hollywood ending or whatever it is. Yeah. Because... You know, the closer you get to California, the more people want really neat, happy endings. Yeah. And um, and that wasn't what I had in mind, and that wasn't the truth of it. And so what you try to do is structure, structure it as close to how a thriller would be structured, but without departing from the true events in a way that, you know, compromises, uh, I guess, the... The, the authenticity of it and that was the thing sure. that I was kind of looking to keep hold of throughout yeah so so how do you go about the casting process of a, a, a film like this because it is there's not a huge amount of characters it is a limited few so but also equally it's your first film so it's not like you've got actors that you've worked with previously and things like that so yeah. do you have a lot of say in that or because I know that often with with a lot of films for those who don't know, the top roles, that'll often be, you know, the director, the producers, all figuring it out. Under that, it'll be a casting, the director kind of putting people forward yeah. and so on and so forth. So, so what was the process on a, a, a film like this? Because every role almost is a key role. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not filled with huge Hollywood names or anything. No, the right although that, the right I mean, time. that was, you know, I mean, you know, I'm probably being more honest than maybe I should be, but, but you know, the... You know, the truth is that when, you know, once you go over a certain budget level, you really have to have names because yeah. they have to be on the post. And, and, you know, and for a financier, it gives some comfort that they're going to get some money back. Yeah. And it's a tricky one, that, because, like, I really didn't want 
uh, recognisable faces. I didn't want the kind of Hollywood pretty boys that yeah. were getting... Pit- you know, because what happened was there was a point where I sent the script out and what happens is it, it then goes to the agencies in Hollywood yeah. and they look at it and they go, this is a perfect opportunity for so-and-so who's done all of those big franchise movies. Yeah. And I'm not going to make any name any names, but, you know, this could be their first, like, proper adult role in a cool movie. So yeah. there was a point where we literally had the pick of the biggest names in that age group. And I was really adamant that I didn't want those, you know, because when you see the movie and it's, it, it feels quite real and you've got the real people in it, you know, I wanted um, just the best actors, but what people who felt like you and me, you know, they yeah, felt yeah. real. They're not like these chiseled kind of Disney kids who've been acting yeah, since completely. they were four. And so I was lucky in that the, the financiers, Film 4 and AI, were... were were behind that vision, I guess. You know, they were up for, you know, so... And I, I worked with a really brilliant casting director in New York, and and she got that as well. And we, you know, so Evan Peters, who's really well-known in America, but I'd never yeah. heard of him. Yeah. And he's in X-Men and American fant- Horror he's, he's, he's stole the show in Unbelievable. I mean, yeah, his, his, his scene of stopping time with a Bob Dylan song playing is right. just yeah. absolute gold. Completely. And he... You know, but he's like that. He is a he. I think he's going to be a huge. Star, and that's, but like he, well, that's the perfect thing. He's someone that that was the first time I'd seen him. Yet he, he jumped out, so it wasn't so, a. Yeah. He's a big name. It's just he's got that exactly. enigmatic. He's got. And he did the same him. thing in the audition. He came in. He just blew everyone away. Yeah. And then of course uh, Barry Keoghan, who's like this Irish scrapper, yeah. no real formal acting training, but you watch him and literally you can't, look, he sent his audition tape in and I just couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. And I was like, and I was worried because he seemed, he seemed so young compared to, like Evan's nearly 30, Barry's 25, but he could play 16, like he yeah, did yeah, in yeah, Killing yeah, of the course. Sacred Deer. Yeah. And um, so I brought them together in New York for a, like a chemistry test, you know, where you just yeah. see, and I made them, you know, they'd never met before, so I made them go for a walk around the block, or, you know, walk around New York, and, and then we did a kind of improv um, in this little office, and and it just was, like, fine. You know, they didn't look that far. It was almost like they were old friends. Yeah. And, and, and Barry's got one of those faces that you just don't see in the movies very much. Completely. It's so real, and, you know, every emotion is, is played out on his face in a yeah. way that you kind of fall for him straight away. So and s- s- softly and subtly as well, like, very like, without so. saying very much. He's br- but again, what I liked about it as well is that's the reality of school and college days anyway. It's not as we paint in, in cinema so often that it's all the kids who are the same are here. Or it's like yeah. that's the one point in life where you make friends who you wouldn't meet otherwise because you happen to be in the same class. Totally. Or similar with, yeah. with offices, I guess. But there's there's certain places where it's not as simple as, well, these would clearly be mates. It's yeah. like, no, we happen to sit next to each other in maths. Yeah. And we did that every day for four years. That's how that bond was made. Yeah. It's not a natural, obvious one. It's a, a thrown together. Totally. And, you know, and they were like yin and yang, those two. I mean, they, you know, in terms of the lead character, like Barry's character is this real introvert he's really watchful but he's also he's a brilliant artist like yeah. he's an amazing painter yeah, yeah. He, you know his thing is he's, he's growing up in this really lovely 
suburban, you know, when I say lovely, like as in nice house, nice car, nice, yeah. you know, nice life, right? And he's looking at all of the great artists that have ever lived and basically they've all had terrible suffering. I mean, they're that, all fucked they're up. All that's, fucked, that's kind of you know, how it works. Their, their childhoods have been, you know, and they've found, you know, their parents... Uh, you know, die young, and they found yeah. you know terrible ordeal. And 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 Spencer is looking at his life, thinking, you know, what am I ever gonna make art about? Given that I've just got this nice fucking life, nothing yeah. to say. And the idea of a character whose whose main um, problem is that he hasn't got a problem. Here he is. Yeah, we're speaking of speaking the Misha. now. Misha is me in Irish. Um, How's it going? Nice to meet you. So we're doing so, a bit of a tag in and tag out. Yeah. We were just speaking about yeah, it's a good Barry's time. Characters. Barry That's to, perfect to timing. Take over, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. So anyway, you know that that as an idea for you know seemed to me like a really you know it feels really relevant. You know this idea that nowadays you know being average yeah is not okay. Yeah, you know, it's completely. not acceptable that you you know everyone you know we live in a culture where as it says on the poster, nobody wants to be ordinary. Yeah. And that, I think, is a big driver of what, what led these guys to do this thing as well. I, I love that as well, that, that awareness that your life is almost too good to create anything good here. So you need to, to fuck it up in some way. You need to mess things up and... Totally. And you know, take it there. And have a creative, destructive experience. Yeah. Have a, have a story to tell, make you an artist. I love it. Anyway, well, well, I'm, I'm going to tag it out. And while we're here, I'm going to get a Polaroid of us both. I saw you taking some photos earlier, yeah, so we'll talk yeah. about that. Let's, let's get this Polaroid. Yeah. I'm going to leave it rolling. This is all the nature of podcasts. Okay, yeah. And we're going to do it yourself. So, three, two, one. That's quiet. Old school. Perfect. All right. Nice one. Oh, mate. Such a nice Yeah. Okay, I'll leave you with the beat. So I've tagged uh, from Bart to Barry. From Bart to Barry. How you doing, man? I'm good, bro. I'm good. How you doing? A bit on this? hungover. A bit hungover. Yeah, but look, I'm energized and I'm I'm, I'm in work mode and I'm so. Um, how do you I'll find? Give you my all. How, how do you find it all? Because you're someone that's not come from um, the drama school kind yeah. of route, and I always find that. It's, it's like myself. I'm, I kind of I started acting a couple a few, a few years back, and I did Taboo with Tom Hardy and a few of these other things. Did and you? Yeah, I've not seen that. You, you, you were really Tom, yeah? Fun. Yeah, and 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 Jesse, who you've done Jesse with recently, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it something I noticed instantly was not to, sh- to sh- shit on anyone, but it's yeah. always the kids who haven't come from that that. Are just up excited to be involved and to be doing this. So these long, long press runs, yeah, it's kind of a, a gift still if you've if you've ever Isn't worked it? in a factory or worked on a farm or anything. I like think that. it's you know and I was just saying out there like you know I'm very and I really really mean this. I'm very grateful. Yeah, do you know for this like this is my my job my life. Do you know yeah. and it's it's born and it's you know but yeah I definitely think that the, the kids that don't come from it definitely carry something. You know, different on a subconscious level. You yeah. know, they they bring a, a a different type of rawness to it. Yeah. Do you know. A, what was your route into acting? Because you grew up in Dublin, or in Dublin or near Dublin. In Dublin, yeah, a city centre. A kid from the block, I yeah. call it. You know, literally a block of flats. 
Yeah. For a, and that isn't somewhere that is naturally pushing you towards drama. That's it, you know, and it's, I mean, to do acting where I'm from is not, you know, it's not heard of. Yeah. You know, so, so getting involved, I was a street cast and open audition, I took the number, rang it, saying, look, I can do this, you know, and, and I think for me it was therapeutic and it was a way to deal with some stuff, you know. Yeah. And uh, little did I know, you know, I was dealing with, coping with stuff through this art form. Yeah, it's amazing. So, because it's, it's, it's a weird one, because even if you break into that, yeah. in Ireland, it's an easy place. I've discussed this with a few different people on the podcast. It's an easy place to stay. Like, Ireland makes a lot of great stuff that stays yeah, in Ireland and yeah. doesn't come out. And That's you're in, in, in Love and Hate, which yeah. everyone talks about. I've, I've finally got the box that haven't yeah. started yet, but a legendary series that is hardly known outside of Ireland often. And then, you know, That's it's got it. some of the best actors yeah. to come from Ireland, all in it. You look through the cast list and you're like, I know half these people. That's yeah, it. I've only you know, heard of it from it's, word of mouth. It's, it's such a good, like, it's a great show, but you're dead right in what you said there. A lot of Irish stuff stays in Ireland, you know? Yeah. So it, this was a strategic choice for me to, to kind of, so I need to get across the water, you know, and, and work to be seen. Yeah. Um, so that was, it was strategic on my behalf and like, you know, and wanted to work with good filmmakers abroad as well, so. So how did you go about kind of instigating that? Because again, it's easy to think these things, yeah. but it's not so easy to necessarily It's easy to think them, push out but them. not believe them. Whereas yeah. I taught them, I believed them, yeah. you know. And this comes down to the list I have on my phone. Do you actually have a charger, by the way? I don't have, have a charger. No. no, I don't. I'm sorry. Um, I have a list on my phone. And Bart Lane was on that list. And, you know, the filmmakers that I want to work with is on that list as well. And oh, wow. Yorgos and all these people on this list. And the list isn't huge, but it's like, you know, it's small enough. And I believe that I'm going to work with him. And I still yeah. believe I'm going to work with, you know, the likes of Paul Thomas Anderson. And, and, yeah. And, sorry, Paul Thomas Anderson and, and stuff like that. So it's a belief. That's the way I, I really believe I've done it. It's such a massive thing, isn't it? Like I, I, I had a, a similar thing. I quit music, and I'm not hijacking this to make it about me, but <laughs> I quit music to try acting for a year or two. Oh, a charger has just come Sweet. in. Sweet. Thanks, bro. So we can get you charged. Can put, put thanks, bro. Um, um, so you quit music. Yeah, I still did music for, for years. I toured the world doing music. Is that charging? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And um, I quit to give acting a go, and I had no uh, root or groundings, but I kind of just got out there and, and, and hustled a little bit. And within the first few years, I'd worked with Guy Ritchie, with Tom Hardy, with That's Stephen incredible. Graham. And Stephen Graham and Tom Hardy had both kind of taken me under the wing, and they're two of my favourite actors. And yeah. to think four or five years ago, yeah. Kurt Sutton was on my list because I love The Shield. Yeah. Ended up working with him and Sons of Anarchy and stuff like that. So it's amazing how quick those things can happen because that's it you know you don't realise that, that they're, they're they're looking for people as well yeah they've got roles to fill they've got people they need to work with it. creatively and, and uh, you know to I think, I think it's just a certain amount of you know it's literally just knowing like you know what, what you want to do and believe in it yeah it really is believing it yeah you know, and I know it sounds corny and cheesy but the law of attraction has really gave me a uh, and Conor McGregor, his attitude. Yeah. I'm not even missing, like, because he's an Irish kid and he he came from almost nothing as well. Like, you know, he, his way of 
um, I looked up to that and I was like, Jesus, do you know, I can do it. Connor is inc- incredibly intelligent. Yeah. I'm a, a big MMA fan and I've fallen out of love with Connor a little bit because of some of the silliness, but yeah. still got mad respect for him. But I think the thing that people don't realise is part of his genius, everyone's like, oh, he kept predicting the future. Yeah. There was some intelligence there as well. Oh, so rather huge. than just after his first fight saying, I want, I, I want the champ. Yeah. He would say, I want this guy yeah and then it had happened and that's what makes it start to then you start to have the power because you're calling people out and it's happening rather than you're calling people out and people are going no yeah yeah a few years you're calling out it's happening and you're winning you're calling it out it's happening and you're you're winning winning. yeah so he had the talent to back it up as well completely and it just becomes it it does become a self-fulfilling prophecy and that's he's such a clever man like he really is he's a business driven man as well like you know so it's interesting that, that that has been a big inspiration as a young huge, Irish lad. Huge inspiration. And, and that, that just goes to show that, you know, he's not in the field of acting. Not yet, yeah. anyways. I think he will one day. But yeah. he, um, John, he's inspired me. Yeah. Do you know? I love it. So, so, so when was it you kind of felt it is a career? Because, again, it's easy to have that drive mm-hmm. but then to kind of... Make it work. I don't know, yeah. T- t- to make it work and to realise because again if you come from somewhere where that's not an obvious career route there's going to be people kind of going like come yeah, on yeah come on get a real job will you? Like, yeah. I wanted to be a singer when I was small like I'm like no exactly I, I really I want to do this like you know I, I believe I can like yeah um, I just always had that belief you know always um, but and I dropped out of school I mean didn't well, kind of kicked it up a little yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just to kind of rely on acting. I didn't have a plan B. Yeah. I know, but I, I just think once you have a plan B, it's not going to work. I've always... Do you know? John, if I can't remember who, who, who said it, but, but they're saying, if you've got something to fall back on, you're likely to fall back. Yeah. You're more likely to fall back. Because so. I went in with a nothing to lose attitude, because I had nothing to lose, you know. Mm. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. So that's the attitude I approached to it. So, so how was it oh, getting a film like American Animals? Because it's, it's a heist movie, which mm-hmm. everyone loves, but it's, it's based on real people, so you've got that pressure yeah. of delivering the reality of this person. Yeah. How I was mean, that? Walking, like, Bart, I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. Well. I'm a huge fan of Bart Lane, like, from The Impostor. I love The Impostor. So, it was, it was, and again, it's, it, it, it was interesting hearing him on your list, because... This is his first kind of feature or feature film type film. That's it. Yet he shot The Imposter as if it was a thriller, as if it was a crime drama. He didn't, yeah. he didn't make it like, here is a documentary, yeah. here is what happened. I knew having, having him like a, as a forced feature, I was like, this man's going to do something incredible yeah. with, with this film. You know, I want to be a part of it. Yeah, so, I love that. You know, it was, it was him that drawed me to it, basically. And then how was it kind of... Bonding, uh, b- 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 because again, it's a film about a group of friends. So yeah. How was it finding the bond with people? And it was easy, man. Do you know, yeah. it was really easy. Um, it was, you know, these lads are Evan Peters and Jared and Blake. They're really easy to bond with. You know, yeah. I'm really good friends with them. So I mean, that was it was easy gelling. And when yeah. that works, it makes filming easier. Yeah. So. Uh, so how was it though to, uh, to, uh, to get out there and did you have to or did you get to talk 
to the guy that you were playing much and get his story? Did you have to lose yourself in it a bit? Spencer, no. Right. Bart wouldn't let us, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, just because we'd imitate. Yeah. And, you know, take up their physical traits and stuff like that. And, and, and they'd probably have a say on our performance. Like, you know, maybe you should do it this way. And that's Bart fascinating. didn't want any of that, you know, so... I just kind of went what was on the page, and that's down to good writing as well. Like, you know, that Bart, you know, carved out this character for me that was so easy to slip into. Yeah. Do you know? So, so, so how have you, have you found it starting to get a lot of hype and a lot of, of excitement in America in particular? How is that as a young, a young Irish lad who is, again, from, from humble the yeah. beginnings isn't isn't a Hollywood kid, and, yeah. and, and for, from attitude to looks to everything, yeah. you're not you know no, you're I'm not, not the Hollywood. Boy, I'm, no. I'm Hollywood. So how is it when Hollywood is kind of going, look at this kid, and because of yeah. killing the, 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 yeah. the sacred deer, and I loved seventy one as well. Yeah. There's there's been a lot b- 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 building up to this. Yeah, moment, yeah. But how are you finding it all? Um, it's yeah, it's it's very surreal, you know. Very surreal. Yeah. Um, um, like I, I don't ever kind of go. Yeah, this is it. I'm always still excited. Yeah. You know, and I always will continue to be excited because I'm like, it's fun. I'm yeah. in. I'm in movie. Like I love movies. You know. Yeah. I'm getting to do this for free. Like and well, not for free, but like you get me. Like I'm getting to be in them. Like and hundred percent. It's yeah. It's it's amazing. You know, it's very surreal. Again, and that attitude, kind of. I genuinely think it's key and can take you a, a long way it in that can. industry because there is that. I always remember on on the last or the, the film before last I did, um, my agents came back and were like, "Look, the fee isn't great, yeah. but this, this, this." And I genuinely was saying, "Jokes that's, on them! I would have been doing this for free because Stephen Graham was in it, Dave Johns was in yeah. it, Michael Soccer was in it. It's like, yeah. They didn't need to be paying me. As yeah, long as they put yeah. me up, I would have done this. So. Exactly. Like, you know, there's some things that you're like, <laughs> even if I wasn't getting paid with this, I'd do it. Yeah. Do you know, because I'm so, first of all, such a big fan of the filmmaker or, you know, yeah. or wherever. Like, but yeah, it's crazy. Like, you get paid for it as well. Like, you know. it's, it's nuts. Right. Now, I, I had a, a nervous moment about an hour ago because yeah. I always prep for these but yeah. the focus was on American animals which again I adored but just before I came in I glanced and saw that you're playing y- Yorick yeah the adaptation of Why the Last Man and that's one them? of my favourite comic oh, book series of all time I, I love it it's amazing and it didn't occur to me I didn't know it was being made but it didn't occur to me how now it is because Why the Last Man is a story of a world where men have been are wiped out yeah because of an illness and women are finding a way to cope and yeah. manage. Again, the key here is it's written years back, so it isn't some yeah. reaction to all the movements and changes. It's just perfectly timed. Yeah, true. How's true that. that to kind of to have ahead of you, right? Like yeah. you start f- filming that later in the year, I believe. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's exciting. I'm really, really excited for that one. It's you a know, great story. I've not. It? dug into them graphic novels at all like, great, you know, but great. I am going to dig into them before I start Jeez. but yeah I mean Diane Lane as well like, it's exciting to, to be working on this you Diane know. Lane Imogen Poots there's, there's yeah. gr- great cast it's, it's fantastic you know, and the director Melina is so cool yeah yeah. Um, um, cool. It's, it's, it's annoying one because normally if I'm interviewing someone who's involved in 
a project that I think is dope. I'll start subtly dropping in my availability. Yeah, it's like, yeah. You've, you've literally there's, got the only male role, so it's like, yeah, like there's, there's, I know. This is, <laughs> there's nothing I can hustle on that. There's no hustle I can pull here. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, the last man, way. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's a cool title, it's a cool, uh, as you said, a cool graphic series. Yeah, the know. story's just great. I'm, I'm fascinated to see, I like, a lot of comic book fans get annoyed when either films or TV series change things a bit, tweak things a bit. I'm a fan of that. It's been yeah. done perfectly in the graphic yeah. novel. With the graphic novel, it's perfect for its form. Now to turn it onto the screen, they might need to shorten stuff, they might need to extend That's stuff, it, they, they might need to bring to do, the character around. Yeah, out. yeah, they might have to. Um, yeah, that's one thing I always think about it because I've not done a lot of TV, you know. Yeah. So um, um, it's a new kind of a new page for me as well. Yeah, you know, it's a big commitment. As it is as well, right? A lot of be... time, and you know, but it's. I mean, TV. There's some incredible TV out there, like Sons of Anarchy. As you yeah. Say, which you, you you worked on Sons of Anarchy. No, I, w- I worked on the Bastard Executioner, oh, which okay. was the series that Kurt did after Sons of Anarchy. Okay. But like, yeah, lots of great TV out there. Do you know, it's 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 an amazing one. Because I was talking to Bart just now about the damage or the the, the, the delicate state that cinema is in because yeah. there's so much available at home. But on the flip side of that, it's true as well. TV, there's so much space there to get into. There's this. so much development, like you know, for characters. Like you know, there's, so, there's such good characters out there in, in TV. To not have to get it all through in 90 minutes in 90 or a minutes. couple of hours to really be able to slow build. That's it, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think people are copping onto that as well. Like, you know, why, why do a film of this when we can make this a series? Or, or when I was working on, on Taboo with Tom Hardy, again, it's one that was his baby. I was talking to him and he was saying he's going to str- struggle to go back to film because yeah. having that amount of time yeah. to really get into characters get into and the intricacies it. of things was just a blessing and from someone who he did a, t- a TV years ago but yeah. had very much been feature film for a, a long while he was, was very like, feature yeah for a while yeah he's he's one I mean first of all he's one of my favourite actors yeah I, mean, I, I didn't get to work with him on Dunkirk unfortunately but, but Dunkirk I mean speaking of that it was it was amazing I came along to uh, to the uh, premiere of that. To the premiere, did you? Uh, uh, with Tommy and all that. And it was just amazing to Unreal. see. How was it to see on the screen? Because so much of what um, I mean, he, was done with, or, or what Nolan did with that, was the sound and the immersion. The which sound was a big part. Like, huge, I mean, right? What he done like is basically what you, what you see, you know? Yeah. The boats, the, the planes, like as Tom would tell you, Tom was really up there and the, yeah. you know, the planes and stuff. He, Chris is, you know, I'm being a huge fan of Chris Nolan as well. It's, of course. I mean, it's a, a kid's stream, isn't it, getting to walk on me? Completely. He, he must have been on the list. Oh, yeah, he right. was. He was. And I remember the, the Dunkirk article came out saying they were casting. And I remember sending that link to my agent saying, I want to, can I get a scene for this? And he's like, it's a long shot. And I was like, I can, I can do it. You know? I love that. I genuinely, again, it's the working class background because I genuinely, I feel as if I annoy the the fuck out of my acting agents because yeah. I will be I'll read an article and be like yeah. guys guys it's all this not, is I'm my not shit. the only one this who is my that, shit we like, need to get involved yeah. they know what they're doing they know I'm they're not the, I thought I was the only one like, no, I'm, I'm glad to hear that yeah <laughs> you're like, saying look here, here it is we need to, to get involved in this so but yeah so transferring over to TV it, it, it must be exciting and, and nerve wracking 
do you know how they're doing? This is a weird question for anyone that's not read the novels or knows of the story, but oh, what's going on with the monkey? Are they having a real monkey? Are they CGI in a monkey? I can't even say because, well, first of all, I can't say it. And second of all, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we're digging into that late. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I love and it. not filming on that. I wish I could. I wish I could sit here and chat about a monkey. I wish. I love it. I love it. So it's always tough uh, with actors because there's often so much coming up that they can't talk about. But you've, I think it's film now. You've done Calm with Horses. Yeah, with Calm with Horses. Yeah. Cosmo Jarvis, who I adored in Lady Macbeth. She's unreal, um, yeah. And yeah, ha- how was that? Because it's, it's, it's been a while since you've got to be Irish. That's right, it, and that's know. an Irish thing about. I, I kind of struggled. Just going to adjust this. I kind of struggled being Irish, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, because I was like, I'm getting a chance to be Irish, and I kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to play. It's weird, isn't it? Because it doesn't feel as if you, as if you are you acting, acting as much. Yeah. I've been, but I've I had been to pushing put... to get a role that's got an accent because everything I do, I feel like right. I'll just go out there and say it, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Unless it's a huge scene, if you're yeah. not. But with this, with Cam Wars, I got to on a country accent you know yeah. I, I was a traveller in it as well so I'd done some beefing up for it and yeah. you know and, and you've, 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 you've done a bit of boxing and, yeah. and that haven't you and it's, the family is a travelling the family of yeah boxing, and that kind of boxers you know like yeah. he, he's, he'd be a scrapper alright this lad I played so yeah that was fun to dig me into and kind of play a bit with and Nick Rowland the director has done amazing short films and this is the first feature which I'm I'm super like excited about. Yeah, so, yeah, and it's another film four one. Yeah, and film four seem to be one of of the last bastions of. And again, I think it's because they've got that route in as well of it will be on their channel eventually. Yeah, they're still exactly. making good films. There's not that fear of is it going to do good box office in the cinema? All this yeah. they've got that backup of. We hope it does well in the cinema, but... Do Film 4 only film show four. Film 4 films on Film 4? No, they don't only show them, but they always have them first. They always have yeah. the premieres on there and stuff like that. So Yeah, that was... I mean, Film 4... I think it helps them to take those risks and have that. Yeah, they're good. They're, I've worked on six of theirs now. I think, oh, wow. I think. Yeah, so basically, yeah, I'm part of the Film 4 team. Yeah. Hopefully stay with the Film 4 team, but... Um, Are you their guy? Yeah, I'm their guy to go to but yeah, no, they make amazing films and, and yeah, I just want to keep being part of them. Yeah, so in, the other one I saw on the list is a, a, a Chernobyl, which Chernobyl, is with yeah. a, a Jesse Buckley, who works Jesse with the Buckley, yeah. It's written by Craig Mazin, who I weirdly know th- through a mate. So again, there's, all, yeah. there's always all these links. But how's Connections. that? Because that's a... Chernobyl was... I play a, a Russian... And, and that you know that was a, an insight into what actually happened and yeah so I wasn't I was aware of Chernobyl like but I wasn't aware of the the details and stuff like that yeah um, but Johan the director was he's on it now six months I think he is amazing yeah he's such a cool dude to work with you know Swedish guy kind of a Swedish team um, but yeah really good man it's good I do think there's a lot of I talk about this too much on the podcast, but I think there's a lot coming from Scandinavian and U- European yeah. teams and cinema because they've got they've got an an outlook that isn't so focused on 
blockbusters on the cinema on the on, on this kind of thing it's got that that openness to just creating the art it's real isn't it yeah you know it's French cinema especially is so real and yeah you know I watched The Hunt there a Danish film yeah it's Mickelson it's crazy it's unreal yeah. it's amazing isn't it it's a great film like you know and they, they seem to have some the Swedish and the, the Scandinavian and the, the Eastern Europe they seem to have this thing again you know, they're not afraid of of silence they're and not, of space yeah and that's kind of I love that I think and they in, shoot everything beautifully yeah yeah it's, you know? it's, it's often a landscape photography that, that happens to have a, a scene mm. playing out in it which that's dope I'm, I'm, I'm into that I'm up for that they have amazing like a man called Uwe I watched the other day right a Swedish film which is great it's great check out all yeah. it but like you know shot amazingly as well like, yeah unreal uh, uh, what kind of who influenced your your film taste and TV taste <clears throat> because again if, if yeah cool a the people I kind of the people I kind of worked with kind of so Yorgos's influence even my audition tapes for yeah. instance for how I shoot them you know the Yorgos way oh um, really yeah like it, it's people I've worked with kind of are influencing me I as I go that. along you know Bart with his his skills to to mix two genres and yeah do you know it's yeah I love that so how important has it been to get to make your impact playing as such a variation of characters because because basically a lot of the stuff I've seen you in you seem quite timid and quite like your character in American Animals let's bring it all all round as as we're wrapping things up he's quite a quiet lad he's quite an introvert yeah so I didn't know who you were as you yeah it's weird because I've seen you on social media and I thought this, this, this lad's proper because you speak honestly and openly yeah, about something it's yeah. not just here's my new film it's like yeah, yeah. honest interactions oh, and yeah definitely yeah so I got the impression from films of a quite quiet potentially nerdy lad and then to actually read up on you a bit to hear that again you've done a bit of boxing you've done yeah this, and that's nice and proper. I think people get confused of that like, you know they're like ah oh, he must be privileged lad you know good background and, yeah you know, it's like nah I'm like a fool into thinking that with my characters I play and you know how I can just switch them and that's the ultimate compliment you know and right? that's yeah and, and I think people realise that when they see American Animals now they'll yeah. be like okay this kid is changing stuff up like you know he's playing different characters to Martin or to George or Dunkirk yeah John, and it's all strategic as well for me I'm, it's a, all a part of my plan is to play different characters and show my range I love it so yeah. So what's ahead? I'll, I'll, I'll round things up by just asking what's ahead, or what's even not on paper. Like what's in your plan? What's the... what's in my plan is I'm not asking for all of it. I don't need to give it away. Uh, um, you know, to work with good filmmakers, to make unique films, and tell really good stories, um, and to enjoy it as well. People forget to enjoy this thing. It's you key, know, isn't it's, it? yeah, it's it's. Process. surreal as I said you know getting to fly to LA and all of this jazz and you, you forget to be there yeah you know? uh, when I had Simon Pegg on he kind of he summed it up perfectly saying the product is important but yeah. the process is above that yeah it's process over product so yeah. it's not saying that it doesn't matter how it ends up you should care about that but it should be enjoying the process of all of it even That's the it. press runs even know? the 
on the filming and the rehearsals and everything else. Yeah, you should be enjoying it, and it's a hard thing to do is enjoy it, but like, yeah, be a bit more present, and that's what I'm focusing on. That's perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time, and I look forward to seeing all that's ahead, mate. Thanks a lot. Cheers, mate. Buddy. Thank you. You've been listening to Scrooge Pitt's Discretion Pieces. There we go, that was Bart and Barry. I hope you enjoyed them as much as I did. Um, I'm now, I've left the retail park and I'm now in a uh, like industrial park, which is where I'm heading to collect, collect my windscreen. I'm actually, I'm actually running late now because um, I got distracted by all this. It's a nice industrial park, I think it's the Acorn industrial park there's a screw fix as is standard um uh rexall yeah electrical i mean the, none of these are sponsors but uh expert joinery limited that's a bit boastful a little arrogant expert yes industrial and yes electrical but the yes has three s's although two of them are different colors so maybe it's yes ss i mean i wouldn't associate with with the SS myself um, there's Johnston's um, Arco Arco Experts in Safety again this is a, this is a confident a confident retail park a lot of people claiming expertise I mean I'm sure they are I'm sure they are experts but it's certainly bold Tool Station that's more direct the window shop you couldn't get more direct than the window shop um, oh, there's what else is there along the way? I should mention that uh, my club night is returning on. This is going to be a long outro, but because I'm just having a nice casual stroll in the sun, my podcast, podcast, my club night is returning to the book club on September 29th with Dan Lassac coming down to DJ, get Cape, wear Cape, fly as well on the ones and twos and possibly the threes. Um, yeah, if you want to come along to that, you can send your names to info at thetrashsociety.com. Interestingly, that that email is manned by Stuart Whiffin, so feel free to uh, mock his potato head. Um, if you, you send your names there, though, you'll get on the uh, on the queue jump list, and it will guarantee you entry. You can also buy tickets in advance, and that's good because it, f- it freezes the, the price. If you buy tickets in advance from the book club, there are fiver on the night. They start at a fiver, and then at a certain point, they go up to six or seven quid or something like that. So, yeah, it's going to be a good night, though, so come along to that. Oh, there's a a, a safe store, self-storage place. I wonder if anyone's keeping anything illegal in there. I don't want to uh, cast aspersions, but maybe a body or two, or uh, I've heard that they can be good places to... uh, to set up a nice little uh, cannabis grow not not safe store the code at UK themselves they're probably too they're a professional company but um, I mean again I'm not slandering anyone here um, you keep what you want in your in your safe storage I will not be the judge of you there's auto windscreens that's that's where I'm heading to get my fixed windscreen um I mean, I'm not getting a discount, even though I mentioned them on my multinational 
world-renowned podcast, but, you know, fair enough. Fair enough, works work. Um, I should let you all go, shouldn't I? I said, next week's podcast is the return of Kate Tempest, previous guest. Um, um, Oh, there's advanced security, advanced fire and security services. Again, expert, they claim. So, yeah. So, Kate Tempest will be next week, and Drew Pierce the week after, who directed um, Hotel Artemis, which I adored this year. And he's also done like, Iron Man and all sorts of stuff like that. He gives a good, some good insights. It's a delightful one. Um, I actually recorded one of the best podcasts I've ever recorded this week. Um, oh, there's a, it's a cement company called Mix It. You, I used to always see up and down the motorway the Jim will mix it. Uh, cement companies but they seem to have uh, died off for some reason I'd imagine a rebrand um, yeah I, re- I recorded one this week with a young lady called Angel Gufria uh, it's not Gufria it's Gufria I, I got it wrong before I'll check on the recording before I record the intro but yeah she's amazing she's a, a young lady who's got um, a bionic arm essentially she self-identifies as a cyborg and rightfully so but she was the youngest person, I believe, in the world to use a robotic arm from six months old. She's had it and has been using it and continues to do so. It's it's a fascinating chat, I promise you. So anyway, that's to come later. You're going to love that one. I know I've, I've said a few times this year, it's the best, possibly the best I've ever done. But I've, I mean, only with, I said it with the Professor Green one and with the Chili Gonzalez one, and I stand by that, but... Just means it's a good year for podcasts, my friend. Um, anyway, I'll go. It's a long intro, and I don't want to walk in to auto windscreens with recording equipment in my hand. It's a bit windy now, isn't it? It's a bit windy, and anyway. Oh, there's a Mercedes Benz place here as well, fancy. If they want to give me a free, a free car in exchange for sponsorship, that'd be great. Anyway, I have been expert podcaster Shrubius Pip, and uh, I'll see you all next week. Ta-ta!